Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. to you. How you doing on a Tuesday morning? Dave Hughes here over in the booth. Uh, someone we will refer to as Not Rhino. That's your name for today, Will. Uh, you're holding up your end of the beard bargain. Uh, I am not. I am Rhino I'm, normally in here with his big scruffy beard. So I am, I am toting the full load today, and that's okay. <laughs> the follicles are strong. I've been moisturizing the roots, so it should hold. So how long have you been growing it out? Uh, Not that long, actually. You know, I've had a beard since I was 18, uh, but I always kept it trimmed, you know, kind of short, and then decided to let it start growing out and just let it go, what, probably about maybe six months ago? Maybe. Uh, And uh, my, my beard grows fast, and I know why, because... Normally, you, for example, while you're trying to grow a beard, you're also still growing hair. So the energy is divided. Very little, Dave. Very little on my head. We can do a comparison. We have cameras if (laughs) if you really want to get into that discussion. But, yeah, all of my my hair growing is concentrated on my chin, so it just shoots out. Well, you only need to gain about, I don't know, 300 pounds to be uh, Santa this upcoming Christmas. I've got pillows. Yeah, you could do the pillow thing. Yeah, just shove the pillows down in there, and I'm good to go. Because that's the only thing you're really lacking. You got the the was it rosy red cheeks and a you just need a bowl uh, a belly that shakes like a bowl full of jelly, and you'll be good to go. And pet reindeer. I need pet reindeer. <laughs> if anybody has any reindeer floating, no, no, please don't contact me. They'll wind up at my house. I know how this works. Uh, interesting day today. In an hour, we're going to get the speaker vote. Yeah. And uh, it's not happening on the first ballot. I just don't I don't see it happening. Uh, there's – who knows what's going on? I mean, honestly, I don't think the Republicans know any – I just – Well, I just don't see it. We have five people who have publicly said yesterday or today that they are a no on Jim Jordan. He can only afford to lose four – Normally, I say normally because Representative Gus Bilrakis is going to miss the vote. He's at his mother-in-law's funeral, and he was a strong Jim Jordan yes vote. So he can only afford to lose three. He can't. He can't proxy that thing. No, 
You can't proxy it? Well, well remember, they, they got rid of the proxy voting. Oh, that's right. Uh, you know, as a way to, you know, get at the, the Democrats. Uh, but at the same <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how it'll come around this will and never bite come you. back to bite us. Oh, yeah. no. It'll be fine. Uh, but uh, in addition to that, they're, they're, apparently the plan is to call a roll call vote. Everybody is going to have to go on record as to how they're voting. Because for some reason, they think the people that have already run to the TV cameras and said, I'm not voting for him, are going to be intimidated to not vote for him if they have to go on the record doing it. I've kind of already gone on the record. I did some research, though. <clears throat> and this is unusual, to put it mildly. Do you know, before Kevin McCarthy, when we had to go to 15 ballots... Do you know the last time before that it took more than one ballot to elect a speaker in the House? I do not know. 1923, a hundred years ago. To say this is not normal is an understatement. And here's the other thing is Americans learn the dirty little secrets of parliamentary politics and all these vote rules and you have to, you know, there's no proxy, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it just, you know, I, I remember over the weekend people were saying, well, there's not time to vote. There's not time. I was like, who's making the rules here? Yeah. Just, just don't you, don't you have the majority in the House? You would, you would think. But that's the problem that this leads to. And I, I'm going to talk about this later. Uh, is all of this nonsense helping or hurting our chance to have a Republican sworn in as president in January 2025? You know, I, conventional wisdom would say that it hurts. But at the same time, I don't know how invested the average American voter is in all this. It Does it look good? No, it doesn't. But at the end of the day, they're going, well, the Republicans have no idea. Ch- chances are, if you're going to vote Republican. You're going to vote Republican. If you're going to vote Democrat, you're going to vote Democrat. There's a squishy middle in there somewhere. And are those people sitting there, you know, watching every move and that's going to be my decision maker? I don't think so. Yeah, but at the same time, this is getting so much press and so much attention. If you've got somebody in the middle that's on the fence and you go and you have to decide between, you can't really make a decision on anything else. And all you're seeing is nonstop press about how one side is so indecisive they can't even work with themselves, much less anybody else for the betterment of the country. And the other side is in perfect unity. Which way are they going to be swayed? Well, Dave Hughes, I will tell you this. I don't know a whole lot about parliamentary politics, but I do know a lot about the media, and the one benefit right now that the Republicans have is that this is not the headline news going on in the world. Yeah, that is the one good thing, and I hate to use the word good in it's, relation it's, to this it's, story. It's not, but this is keeping that off the the, the headlines. Uh, when you scroll through social media, you go through Twitter, yeah, there's stuff, if, if you're like me and you have a lot of politics politicos that are in your twitter feed or x feed whatever it's called nowadays um it's it's all about the israeli hamas war right now and what's going on there and about some of these crazy college kids and professors and in some case politicians who were saying crazy things and cheering on terrorists so that is taking a lot of the attention away from some of this stuff. Yeah, Because to is. be honest with you, a lot of this vote stuff is kind of boring. 
I mean, oh, to no, be it's totally you, boring. It's it's very boring, and yeah. you get down to the tedious – and most people attend – I got – I have this whole article that I was going to read this morning before the show, and I, I got about two paragraphs in, and I, you know, I'm like, started dozing uh, off. Yeah, you know, do I care about you know what the you know the ballots? You know, I don't, ugh, I don't care. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Anybody that is paying attention that's in the middle, it could sway them. I think. I just I personally, election aside, and I hate to do that because that's been my main argument this entire time for, for years now, we have gotten so caught up in the process that we have forgotten to focus on results. The result we should be shooting for is a Republican has their hand on the Bible on January 20th, 2025, taking the oath to become president. That is the goal. That is the result. Everything we do should be in service of achieving that goal. And if anything happens that doesn't move us closer to that goal, what are we doing? And I'm going to tell you, there's one person out there right now that's getting everything right, and that is Ron DeSantis. Uh, I don't know if you saw... Uh, Except his ability to smile, but we'll let him have that one. Yeah, he's not a very good smiler, but that's okay. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like forced grin with him. But, you know, DeSantis Airlines flying over what 246 Americans from Israel to safety. That was a good move. I mean, at the same time, you've got Trump over there praising Hamas, saying that they're a very smart organization. Uh, Yeah. You know, and then Biden kind of fumbling around. He's now going to go over to Israel, apparently make a... What what's the over under that tomorrow he's going tomorrow? What's the over under that he trips and falls down the steps getting off of Air Force One in uh, Jerusalem? I hope that it doesn't happen. I do too, but you cannot say it's a zero chance. He tripped twice over I believe it was over the weekend going up some stairs and it wasn't a very long staircase. He was just going up to a podium and he kind of stumbled twice getting up there. <sighs> I hope that it doesn't happen, but I'm afraid that it might. But, well, it, it's a non-zero chance. And, yeah. boy, that'll really raise our, our our appearance of being firm and in control and in power if that happens. I just don't know. But, no, I, I think DeSantis right now is the only one that's making any, any sense on this. Now, he did kind of stumble up a little bit and said that all Palestinians were anti-Semites. Yeah. I don't know what the percentage is, but... <laughs> He probably is not terribly far off. <laughs> you know, and I think maybe I'm oversimplifying the entire Israel thing in my head because it seems pretty obvious to me what everybody is arguing about. It seems pretty simple. Uh, you come into my country and start killing babies. Well, there's only one thing's going to happen here, and you can't justify that. But we'll talk about that in a minute. And the arrest at the White House yesterday. Did you see that? Oh, that's a, that's a beaut. Wait until I give you the details on that one as we continue live in the Element Well Studios on a Tuesday morning here on Midday. Super Talk Mississippi. Keep it here. With Gerard Gibbons. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Wealth Studios here on Middays. Dave Hughes here, Will over in the box, and I mentioned this right before the break. In case you didn't hear about this, yesterday they had about three dozen people, roughly, that were arrested protesting outside the White House. Uh, they were crossing barriers. They blocked entrances into the White House. That's how they wound up getting arrested. You can go stand on the public street and protest all you want. That's fine. That's that's as, as American as apple pie. It's when you start interfering with everything that it becomes a problem. This group was there protesting, calling for an end to the war in Israel and calling on Israel to call a ceasefire. This was this was organized by two. Now listen to this phrase very carefully. Organized by two far left Jewish groups. <laughs> I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. Far left Jewish groups uh, put this together. And uh, they they are demanding, uh, they're, they're asking, if not now, and Jewish Voice for Peace are the name of the two groups. Uh, and they, they were there protesting, demanding as Jews that the Jews quit attacking the people that killed babies in Israel. Will, I'm going to dump this entire weight on you and ask you to please make this make sense for me. Oh, I'll do you one better. Uh, you don't. You sound like you're about to make it worse, but go ahead. I'm going to do you one better. I read a headline this morning. Uh, let me find it. Uh, it is about a person who wrote an article that says, hang on, you caught me off guard, Dave. I'm sorry I Vamp. did that. Vamp. Oh, here it is. Here it is. <clears throat> this is from them.us, which I guess is a website. I just promoted them. Get it? I promoted they're, them. They're, 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 they're going to they, triple up to like five yeah. viewers now. The headline reads, Israel makes the hormones I need, but I support Palestinian liberation. Wait, what? <laughs> a lar- <laughs> the sentence below it says, a large part of the trans community in the U.S. is being forced to choose between our life-affirming transitions and our Palestinian siblings' demand for freedom. What? Yes. So, <laughs> what? How? How? <sighs> Highlights magazine would have had a tough time making a connect the dots picture out of that. Israel makes the hormones I need, but I support Palestinian liberation. Well, that's a conundrum there for you, Atia Sigvev, whoever wrote that. You know what I don't understand about this entire thing is it, it seems to be if if you look at the population as a whole fairly evenly split there there's like everything else right now about half the people say well yeah they were justified going in there and killing those babies and attacking those civilians at a music festival and killing them and taking them hostage but you know, they were justified. And now, Israel, you better take care not to hurt any civilians in their country. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. We're talking about the Holy Land. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Remember an eye for an eye? Yeah. I was watching a clip from Bill Maher, who's become somehow the voice of reason in America uh, over the past couple of years. Just another sign <laughs> just how far things have slipped, I know. by the way. But he was talking about, he says, we call them colonizers. He goes... 
he says, you're saying that the Israelis are colonizing Israel? I mean, it, <laughs> they've yes. been there for, you know, 4,000 years or, or whatever the number is. And because, how dare they? And how dare they? Yeah. It's kind of how crazy things have become. Um and you've got a lot of politicians out there, and a lot of Gerard and I talked about it yesterday. A lot of college students, and again, it's not just the Northeast liberal big Ivy League universities that are doing this. Harvard is, yes, kind of leading the way, but one of the largest protests in America over the weekend was in Arizona, University of Arizona, Arizona State University. These places are having these protests, and. I'm going to tell you what, I, I've, I've been looking at the polls, and the polls pretty much say that 70% of Americans support Israel, say that America's either doing enough or not enough uh, to support Israel. The American people seem to be behind Israel in this, um, and I think the politicians are going to start changing their tune. The squad is going to stay the squad, but there's some people kind of in that squishy middle uh, of the left that are going to start coming out in support for Israel because the the, the poll numbers show that uh, the American population, they're for it. Well, and here's the thing. And this is, uh, this is a great thing to shine a spotlight on this problem. Exactly what you said. You, you referred to it several times as a squishy middle. In today's political climate, those are the only people that decide anything. Because we're pretty yeah. evenly split from um, between the two sides. So it's the people in the middle that really count. If you don't believe it, uh, go go look at any election. It's really close, all of them. Uh, look at the latest polling for president. It's very close, Who, who depending on the poll, whoever it says they think are, is going to win. It's still close. The, the independence, that squishy middle... If you're not trying to convince them that you're right, if you're instead just preaching to the choir on your side, you're going to lose. This is a sales job. I've said that before. Right now, politics is not a take a good stance, make sure that I stand four square for everything my party believes. No, it's a sales job. You've got to sell the people in the middle that you're the best option for them to vote for and sell them on the idea of actually getting out, going to the polls and voting because the side that does the best job at that wins. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I don't see a lot of people focusing on that. That could change, and this might be a decent impetus to make that change happen. Uh, with the whole uh, Israel situation and the uproar that it has it has created, I think it's going to be interesting to watch to see how many people can adjust. You know, for the longest time, that's all politics was. You had to adjust on the fly to what was going on. There's no adjustment anymore. No, nobody wants to adjust. Everybody wants to uh, entrench themselves in what they already believe, no matter what else happens. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not productive, and all you have to do is go back through history and look. Yeah, the, the hardliners on left and right have kind of taken over both parties and yeah. led them astray somewhat. I mean, and people don't compromise anymore. That's another thing is compromise is what built this nation, and whether you like it or not, that's what happened. And people aren't willing to do it. And, you know, it's – I don't know what's going to happen with this uh, Israeli thing. It, it looks like it's getting worse. Uh, 
Iran is getting involved now. Uh, yeah. they're, they're warning that, you know, maybe a preemptive strike, as that's the headline on Drudge right now, um, against Israel. Yeah, to prevent them from going in on the ground. Yeah. Then you've got Hezbollah that's shelling them from uh, over the border in Syria and Lebanon, basically. Uh, basically, Israel's getting attacked from all sides right now. It's like it's always been. Yeah. In other words, it's a Tuesday. Yeah. They're used to this. This is how... Why do you think... Okay? We've heard this reference, and I don't think anyone has really picked up on this and explained the nuances to it, uh, but you've heard the expression that Israel has one of the finest fighting forces in the world. Mm-hmm. They are good. Oh, man, are they good. And they are. That's a truthful statement. Why? They have to be. Yes. I mean... They've been literally fighting for their lives for thousands of years. If you survive that, you get really good. I mean, they went to war, I guess, almost immediately after they were declared a a state in, what, 1950, 1948, whatever year it was. Uh, They had that the Six-Day War in 67. They had the Yom Kippur War in 73 where they were caught a little off guard but eventually came back to win. And all those wars were against multiple opponents. They were against Syria, Egypt, kind of leading the way. It's a scary time. I don't know what's going to become of this um, this next action that they're going to take. Uh, we expected it over the weekend, but it didn't happen. Um, they are making some strikes. In fact, this morning they killed one of um, Hamas's supposed leaders in a drone strike. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a scary time out there. Oil prices haven't quite jumped yet, but I would imagine with Iran making some r- rattling the saber, as it was, uh, I would imagine that at some point oil is going to jump, and then that's going to cause a whole lot of ripple effects. May fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight. That's the day that okay. Israel. Yeah, you were right. You said you said one of the two, but it was nineteen forty-eight. Yeah, nicely done. Thank you. You know, later on in the show we'll get into this because Gen X and older. Once again, this is Tuesday. We're used to this. Oh, what? We might have World War Three. Yeah, and. This is like the fourth World War III scare I've gone through in my life, for crying out loud. We'll talk about that later. Up next, Casey Anderson joins us here on Middays in the Element Wealth Studios. Keep it here. Attention, adoring fans. It's time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi live on a Tuesday morning in the Element Wealth Studio. And joining me in the Element Wealth Studio now, the executive director of the Mississippi Forestry Association, uh, Foresters Association. Which one? Forestry. Forestry. Okay, so I had it right the first time, and then I tried to correct myself and messed it up. 
Welcome to the show. That's how it works. Casey Anderson, how are you today? Thanks. I'm great. How are you? Uh, Doing fantastic. Now, this is an important month, but also this time around, it's an important week as well for the forestry industry here. That's right. Um, It is Mississippi Forest Products Week. Um, It has been the governor declared that this week in October will be uh, Forest Products Week for Mississippi, and so we're excited. We're doing a trying to make a big splash on social media and um, make everyone aware of the importance of forestry in Mississippi. Well, and I was joking with you before we came on the air. So basically trees. Trees. That's that's what we're here for is trees. Uh, But forestry is a huge industry in the state. That's right. Um, So it's about a $3 billion uh, industry in our state. Um, there's about 62,000 jobs that, that go along with that. Um, so we're, we're steadily growing. We're having, um, each year we're, we're having, it seems like we have more and more, uh, manufacturers announce, um, that they want to come to Mississippi. And, um, we think that's great. We've got plenty of trees for them to use. So. Well, and of course, and you and I were talking right before we came on the air, We've got plenty of trees to use. Some of them a little crispy right now. That's right. Uh, and that's why we encourage you. I'm, I'm veering off for just a second, but it's a perfect opportunity. Burn bans are still in place. Knock it off. <laughs> that, that, that's the best way to put it because this is a valuable resource for it Mississippi. Is. It is. Um, and, and, you know, our Forestry Commission is doing such a great job of being the boots on the ground, putting those fires out. Um, but I know they're tired <laughs> and they're, re- they're ready um, for a little bit of a break. So uh, if we can refrain from burning, that would be great. Yeah, please. That's all we're asking here. Now, uh, you talk about it being a $3 billion industry. Is, is this just uh, just cutting and and, uh, and processing the wood? Is this manufacturing? What what all is figured into that total? So actually, I said $3 billion, but that's $3 billion in wages that are paid out. So it's actually a $13.1 billion industry in our state. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's very large, and I mean um, – it's that everything that goes into that is, um, you know, the entire manufacturing process um, and those jobs that also spin off from that. Um, so it's a great industry to be in um, and, you know, job security because we have plenty of trees, like we said, um, lots of trees to use and residuals that can be used at the mills. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a good place to be well and, and it's one of those things that kind of flies under the radar in mississippi i would think because we're used to seeing trees everywhere we're used to seeing log trucks everywhere and as a result the familiarity we just really don't think about it yeah and, and you're right you, you kind of hit on something that um we're trying to work on in our association um we we realize that most of us in this a lot of us in this industry we grew up in in this world um our parents may have been loggers or may have been tree farmers um or their parents may have worked at a sawmill and so those people really know what what jobs go are are available through the industry but um we're trying we're we have partnered with an organization called forestry works to really promote some of these jobs that kids coming through high school now and looking to go to college may not know about um, and especially there you know there are some that require college degrees but there are a lot that don't um, and so getting students um, making them aware of, of the opportunities that are available to them um, is something that we're, we're working hard to do 
Well, and it's it's one of those things that kind of goes hand in hand with the recent push for a trade education through the community colleges and the workforce training centers and everything else, uh, that a four-year university degree is not the only path to success in life, which is – that was kind of the narrative for a long time there. And everyone has now started to realize, wait a minute, that that's not the case. And it's exactly what you're talking about. There are plenty of fantastic careers out there. Uh, that nobody realizes is a job, much less a career sometimes, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and a lot of these jobs now, they're, they're so um, automated, um, especially in our mills. Our mills just look so different than they did, um, you know, even 15 years ago. The technology is incredible, and um, we're, we're seeing that, you know, these jobs are paying really, really well, too. Um, so... You don't have to go to college to make a decent living. Um, you can you can do really well for yourself even by just going to trade school and um, you know getting a, a degree in uh, welding or um, saw filing or something. Um, there's lots of different different opportunities and avenues um, for someone who just may not college may not be for them. And well, that's okay. <laughs> and the the other good part about it to me is one of the big topics right now is artificial intelligence. Forestry is fairly AI proof. Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of artificial intelligences that are going to go out there and chop a tree down uh-huh. and then process it. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, the the, the technology in some of these machines. Um, you know, we had our Mid South Forestry Equipment Show a couple weeks ago, and every time I go out there, I'm just I'm I'm so impressed by the machines. It's what they do is so precise. Um, so I'm not really sure what the future holds for AI and forestry. Um, I do think that there's probably some way that it'll be integrated, um, but I think that might be in like drones or something like that. But it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but you're right they they can't they can't go chop down a tree. Um, I don't I don't see all these these workers being replaced by AI anytime soon. In other words, job security, something a lot of people are desperately trying to find right now. So that makes it an exceptional industry. And the other thing that you mentioned, uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. This industry is not going to collapse. Right. Um, I mean, just like any industry, it's going to ebb and flow. Um, And that's something that those of us who've been in the industry for a while understand that like the stock market it's it's high and sometimes it's not um so you know i think that all of these manufacturers that are moving into our state they they do a lot of research on the front end um and we talk to people all the time about we have an abundance of trees um for every tree that we harvest there's like we have like two more trees, um, so it's it's just not going away. Um, and like you said, job security—that's it's it's a great thing. Well, and it does ebb and flow. But look at it like this: 
if if the forestry industry survived when everybody woke up one day and decided that wood paneling was not the way to go in your house and they still managed to move forward, yeah. they, they can survive anything because everybody had that at one That's point. Right. And then it went away. But there's always a demand for the products from the forestry industry. So that makes it uh, – it's got nothing but a golden future sure. as far as I can tell. Yeah, and there's a lot of new markets that are coming online. Um, you know, we've had a rush of pellet mill that have located in our state and we have more um, that are looking to be in Mississippi Um, and then we have this really cool product called uh, mass timber um, where they're using this to actually build uh, tall buildings Um, they're doing that we're seeing that in some of the bigger cities but um, we're hoping to have some mass timber buildings in Mississippi uh, in the next couple of years that's something that we uh, have a goal of in our office um, but it's 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 a new it's a new product. It's a new it's a new market for our our landowners, and you know that's something that our landowners need is they need somewhere to send their their trees and their first thinnings, and um, you know the more industry that's here can help that. You know, you bring up a great point. You wouldn't think about this. You think forestry industry. You think trees, wood. You don't think about advances and new products and new new materials coming out of that industry because wood is wood right no it's not always just wood yeah. you just named two different uh, applications right there that most people wouldn't even think of right that's right um our, our friends at Miss, mississippi state uh, sustainable byproducts are doing a, a really good job of they're doing so much research over there um anything from like termite research to um, mass timber you know if you ever get a chance to go over there they can show you how they destroy panels by just putting so much uh, weight on them and making them break it's very interesting to watch wow that's very cool well it is uh, officially forestry week in mississippi in the middle of forestry month right that's right so it's all about the trees yep it is Uh, i just want to tell you uh, just for the record now, I've spent a few minutes with her. Uh, Casey's bark is much, much worse than her bite. <laughs> that was the only wood joke I could come <laughs> up good, with, Casey. That's, that's all I had. Good one. The, 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 the bag of jokes was empty there. <laughs> Casey Anderson, Executive Director of the Mississippi Foresters uh, Forestry Association. Enjoyed it, and uh, it keeps spreading the good word about the trees. Yeah, thanks for having us. Anytime, anytime. We will continue live in the Element Well Studios on middays right after this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Dan and Hattiesburg on the ceasefire text line. Referring to what I mentioned earlier before we talked to Casey. Really enjoyed talking to Casey, by the way. Uh, Dan says, we went through the entire 80s wondering when Russia was going to push the button. End quote. See, I graduated high school in 85. Shut up, Will. You're a puppy. I don't want to hear it. Uh, graduated at 85. When did you graduate? <laughs> 
Started with a two. Okay, uh, yeah, that's all we need to know. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, seriously, late elementary school and then junior high, we had drills of what to do if the sirens went off that indicated a nuclear attack was incoming. Did it involve getting underneath your desk? And putting a book over your head. because It's that <laughs> second step that's going to protect you, see? Just under the desk isn't enough. <laughs> Not even joking. I have done those drills. North High was wiped out, except for one child who... Kept the book over his head like he was instructed to. He had the proper book over his the head. The proper book. And everything was fine. My biology book finally came in handy. Yeah. You, you, and my, my favorite part was some some of the people in the class would pick, like, the thinnest book. And I'm like, do you want the most protection? More yeah. pages, man. Yeah. Come on. But no. So, yeah, it's just another day. Oh, what? Possibly World War Three. Do you know how many times I have heard people... With a concerned look on their face, discuss the possibility that World War III was about to begin. Oh, yeah. You know, the world has probably come closer to total and complete annihilation more times than you would like to think. Uh, in fact, that I was reading the other day about the, I believe it was in 85, maybe 86, when um, Russia thought that, or the USSR at the time, thought that... Um, they were under attack, and they were about to launch, save for one one guy who was like, ah, if they were going to launch, they'd send a lot more than this. This is probably not right. And he literally saved the world. Violated his orders. Yeah. Went, went against got orders. for it, I think. Yeah, he got in trouble for it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he very much saved the world because if he had went ahead and done what he was supposed to do, which was initiate a retaliatory attack, that would have triggered everything. Yeah. And he did. That was a great story. Look it up if you don't know it, because Will's right. Yeah, there's a lot of little incidents like that. But at the same time, you know, I think about all that, and I go, I, most Americans just keep going on with their lives, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. I, I think about the UFOs that are going on right now. All these uh, unidentified flying objects. What do they call them? Uh, uh, they got a different term for UAP, them unidentified UAP. aerial phenomenon. Yeah, I think about all that stuff and. The other day I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, what is it? And she's like, I don't know what it is. And she's like, what do you think it is? And I go, I don't know. It's very scary. And the whole time we're thinking, let's just put on Gilmore Girls or something else to make take our minds off of this because we're Americans. We're just going to continue on even though there's aliens, literal aliens flying above our heads. Yeah, well, you know, they mind their business. We'll mind ours. It's fine. Yeah. As long as they don't try to pull into the parking space right ahead of us, we're not going to have a problem. With if them. you think about it too much, you can't get out of bed in the morning. Exactly. So at some point, you just have to go, eh. I'm just going to go on to work and carry on. And a lot of us in my generation, we reached that point about 30, 40 years ago, and we've just been on cruise control ever since. Eh. Okay. Yeah, it's like you had the Cuban Missile Crisis, and after that, everybody was like, all right, well, we'll just tell the kids to get underneath their desk and put the book over their head, and that, that'll be that. Here's the thing that's lost on a lot of people every 20 years. Let's go back. 1920, and you have to give it a year or two on either side of the exact number because the universe doesn't work like that, but 1920, World War II, 1940, World War II, uh, World War One, then World War II, 1960, pick one, <laughs> Vietnam, you name it, uh, just getting done with Korea just a couple of years before that, 1980, 
the the problem with the Russians in the Cold War. 2000, what happened in 2001? Yeah. Right now, 2023, what, every roughly 20 years, we are on the brink of extinction. And there's only so many times that can happen before it's just human nature. You go, You get and, jaded. Yes. Yes. You get jaded. It doesn't matter. Ceasefire text line. Uh, Ricky in Aberdeen said, graduated in 1980. It was the hallway with the book over our heads for us. <laughs> Kevin in Monticello, that desk protected us from tornadoes and nuclear bombs. <laughs> Very versatile. You think when the guys were designing that desk, you know, at the desk company, they were like, you know what, this is going to not only educate children, but save them in case of a tornado, hurricane, or nuclear disaster. Yeah, you're saving lives. They should have had they they should have had a sticker on it. The problem is in today's world that sticker would almost have a yeah. <laughs> also have a warning warning you not to eat it. <laughs> Desk not meant for human consumption. Oh man, I forgot about the tornadoes. Oh yeah, thing with the book over the head. Yeah, get, head between your knees with the book over your head. Everything's fine. You're in a cinder block constructed building, but the book is what's going to save you. Yes. Trust me, if the building's gone, if it gets to the book, it's too late. But, you know, maybe, I'm sorry, I'm cynical. Maybe they were hoping you would just hang on and be clutching the book and it's got your name written in it so they can ID people. Oh, God. This is the Dave you got this morning. I woke up and chose violence and then drove to Jackson, so we're off to the races. That's the way it works. We continue after news next. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back hour number two of middays live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes in for Gerard today, and we're joined on the phone. This is a great story. If you haven't heard about this, we've got uh, Joe Max Higgins with us, the CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link. Uh, how you doing this morning, Joe Max? I'm doing fine, Dave. Thank you. Uh, now you have uh, something really exciting going on. As a matter of fact, just over the weekend, you you had kind of the the first rush of this with the largest economic development project in the history of the entire state of Mississippi, right there in your area. This 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 is true. Tell us about what happened over the weekend and what's coming with Steel Dynamics. Well, uh, Steel Dynamics had had a job fair uh, this weekend at East Mississippi Community College to. Uh, you know they're still building the plant, but they've got some they've got some hires they need to hire, and they wanted to go ahead and started start the process. So uh, they set two days uh, Sunday afternoon, Monday and sun, Saturday and Sunday afternoon to take applications at the university. And uh, uh, by all accounts, it was a, it was a big success. I don't, I don't think they were supposed to open until nine o'clock on uh, on Saturday. And they had people standing in line, hundreds of people standing in line at 6.30. So um, 
I talked to one of the guys, and they said they processed about 1,500 people from the time they opened the doors until 9 o'clock. So they, they, by the time they, they had they opened the doors when they originally planned, that they, already processed 1,500 people. So wow. uh, I'm still waiting on a count for the total. I didn't get the Sunday count, so uh, I'm still waiting on a count for that. By all, but by all accounts, a lot of folks showed up, got their application in, and, you know, trying to get an opportunity at this phenomenal Phenomenal company, phenomenal uh, plant. Yeah, and a phenomenal opportunity as well because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think uh, the average salary of the roughly 1,000 people they plan on eventually hiring is six figures, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, at the, at the groundbreaking uh, for the event, the CEO, Mark Millett, was there. And, and, I, and, and it's not just the wages that get paid there. I mean, uh, we still audit down our steel mill, too, which is across the Rossi Airport. And uh, last year, I think their average pay audited was $120,000 a year. And the uh, uh, CEO said, in addition to that, we paid profit sharing of roughly 45% of people's annual salary. Um, and when you add the other host of benefits, they, they, they pay for your children to go to college. They'll give you $5,000 per child up to four years to help pay for them to go to college. And uh, it's a it's a it's a very pay rich, a very benefit rich employer, uh, and so you know people covet those jobs. And once they get there uh, at the steel mill, and and we'll be at the aluminum mill, they 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 don't tend to leave. Well, yeah, I wouldn't think so. Why would you <laughs> in that situation? Uh, and and the thing uh, to remember too is. When we're talking about these jobs, a lot of people might hear this and go, well, I'm not qualified to do that. They have a wide range of people they're looking to hire, everybody from from specialist degrees on down to, did you graduate high school? Come talk to us. So it's kind of an opportunity for everyone, isn't it? Well, well, that's right. I mean, and and look, for people that are not familiar with the Golden Triangle story, everybody needs to understand, we make helicopters here. Well, 20 years ago, nobody knew how to make make a helicopter. You know, we make engines here with pack car, diesel engines going trucks. Uh, again, 15 years ago, nobody knew how to make a diesel engine. Nobody knew how to make steel. Nobody knows how to make aluminum. But guess what? All those companies come in, and they don't know, they don't just come in. They prosper and they flourish. Uh, we didn't know how to, you know, going back to West Point, we didn't know how to make tires. Uh but we're making about eight hundred thousand a year over at West Point right now. So uh, the workforce in the Golden Triangle in Mississippi expanded is 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 trainable. Uh, I believe they got a phenomenal work ethic. I think these companies see that. Uh, and then when you add the community university, which is our training facility that's been built for the region, uh, specialized training that if you don't have the skills, uh, you can go out there in a very short period of time uh, get trained up to be able to take these jobs. Well, and nothing attracts industry and business into an area quite like seeing other industry and business succeeding and thriving in that area because it, it, it's just kind of a, a good proof case. Hey, we, we can make it here. They're doing it, so I know we can too. So success kind of builds on success. Well, it, well, it does, Dave. And, I mean, one of the things we routinely do when we're recruiting a new industry in town, it is not uncommon for us to call the industry captains of the people that are already here, you know, have a catered lunch in, uh, uh, shut the door and say, guys, uh, new guys here, new guy, these are the guys that are here. We're going to give you all about two hours to eat lunch and talk, and uh, then we'll be back. 
and I had a major psych consultant tell me a couple of years ago, he said, you know, he said, you know, you got to be one of the ballsiest guys in the world to do that because if you're not treating them right, you're giving them a knife to cut your throat. If you're treating them right, uh, and they and and they get the support they need after they get here, you can get away with that. And we do it on a routine basis. Well, I would go one step further from what they said because if you're treating them right, and you know you are. That is much more powerful and much more persuasive to hear other business people saying, oh, man, you got to come here. This, this is incredible. Listen to what all's happened here. It's incredible for us. It's working great. That's much more powerful than you saying it because they know you're going to sell the area. That's what you do. But when the other people that have succeeded there are selling it for you, that's the most powerful testimonials you can have, I think. Correct. So, you know, he, he said he said it was really gutsy to do that. I, I think it's smart. Well, we've been doing it for a while, and, and, we, and, we, and look, we take pride in our aftercare. Uh, it's what we call it. And, 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 you, and you step back and think, would Aluminum Dynamics, which is owned by Steel Dynamics, have selected us to build their facility here had they not had a phenomenally good experience with their steel mill here? I mean, you think about it. If we, if we had trials and tribulations and challenges and problems, on a daily, monthly, weekly basis for the 15, 16 years they've been here, I don't think they would have decided to put a shovel in the ground right across the right, literally right across the airport from where their other facility was. Well, and that's the thing, because they had the choice to put this anywhere. Anywhere in America they wanted to go, they would have been welcomed with open arms. But they chose to go to your area because, well, they've got a track record. They know what they're getting into, and they like it. So they yeah, wanted to get into it their, deeper. Their, their search area day was basically Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and almost, if you think about the new SEC with, with Texas and Oklahoma, I don't think Oklahoma was in it, but Texas was, all the, just about all the southeast conference states. Uh, were were looked at for this facility, and so uh, to come out the eventual winner was uh, was pretty cool. Oh, I think it's a testament to good work. It, it's it's doing your job and doing it well, which is a little different than what most people would think. Because what you're talking about here is the fact that selling industry and business on the Golden Triangle area doesn't end when they agree to come there. That's a continuing job even after they get there, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's the part I think a lot of people would miss, and I think that's the part a lot of people miss around the country, and that's why they don't see the success that we're we're seeing in your area because uh, you you keep selling it after they've already bought, and that's huge. Well, another thing we do, Dave, is we're we're always looking forward. I mean, we have that big job fair this weekend, but but this morning uh, we've got corporate TVA people here. And we are going out to the new Cinco mega site, which will be our fifth developed mega site. And uh, TVA's research, uh, 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 technical services people are here, and they're helping us master plan and site facilities, multi-tenants, uh, uh, single-tenant user for that 1,500-acre site. Uh, we're starting the dreaming of developing our fifth mega site now while we're building a project that is located on our fourth mega site. And I think... I think you got to stay. You know, you you can't pat yourself on the back for forever. You got to give you good good pat on the back. Say hey, good job. Now let's go do the next big deal. Let's go do the next big deal. Yeah, you have to pat yourself on the back on the way to the next one. Basically, that's a good way to say it. In the in the car, one hand's got to be patting the back while you're driving to make the next deal happen, uh, because you got to keep the momentum. Once you get it go rolling, you you don't want to stop. Well, we can't stop because we we've got this. 
we've got this animal that that is you know uh construction trades and other things that have become dependent upon us having deals and when these projects are finished they're looking for where's the next one where's the next one where's the next one so um you know we've got a we've got a stream of prospects that are standing behind we've got a uh had a recent announcement i think last week we did uh, quality beverage uh we showed a side in the golden triangle uh friday and shook hands and are getting a briefing from them late this afternoon uh uh new company coming uh in about a 50 million dollar project and uh um spec building at starkville i think is probably gone and we're building pads at starkville and doing land acquisition in, in West Point and land acquisition in, in Lowndes. And it's, uh, it's a, I'll tell you this, I've been here 20 years, and I am the busiest now than I've been in the entire 20 years uh, since I came here. I'm going to uh, be honest. And, 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 and it, do, it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Well, d- just listening to that list, I need a nap. So I know you do, Joe Max. Go, go <laughs> grab a nap, man. Joe Max, I, I, I turned sixty-three Sunday, and I and I feel every, all sixty-three of them now. CEO of the Golden Triangle Development Link, great job! Keep up the fantastic work up there, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Talk to you. And now the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now onto the real part. Dino Mike on Super Talk Mississippi. I guess it's not too far from autograph, but it's just jarring. Well, they can't all be good hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes yeah. you got to go to a little meatloaf, yeah, you, which I like meatloaf. Well, yeah, it's usually better after it's spent a night in the free. Oh, you mean the artist? Yeah, he's okay too. <laughs> Welcome back, the Element Well Studios, middays, and uh, the ceasefire. The ceasefire text line. Uh, yeah. From the 662, graduated in 1980, I guess we knew the Russians weren't worried about Water Valley, never did the first nuke drill. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. If you go back and you, you search this up and look at the list of targets in America from the 80s that were on the list, because both Russia and the United States, as you know, at that point, each one had enough nuclear weapons to destroy the entire planet. Yeah. They had plenty to go around. So they would hit places that, you know, you you, you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't think. Uh, for example, and I've told this before, Macomb was on the list. Really? Macomb, Mississippi. You know why? Because of the railroad shops. Because that was that was part of the rationale and the thinking was to take out all the infrastructure and all the the, the places that could keep things moving uh, to basically just tear everything down and stop everything and that was one of the targets. Wow! Yeah, I know. It, it, there's all sorts of places like that. You you may have been targeted. I'm I'm just telling you, Water Valley might not have been exempt, and if you had been, well, you know, the zombies would get you about a half a year later. Yeah. That's the way Think about that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking now. The targets today would be <laughs> North Dakota, Montana, 
A Russian nuclear attack would, mo- mo- would likely focus on high-value high targets in North Dakota or Montana. Really? There are high-value targets in North Dakota? I didn't think there was. I used to have a buddy of mine who was in the Air Force who was stationed in, is it Minot, North Dakota? He was miserable. I'll he bet. said there was nothing to do, and it was always cold. Yes. You're, you're constantly in danger of being trampled by a caribou. I mean, there's all sorts of problems just waiting for you. The fun thing to do would would be to go to Canada and drink. He said that was the only thing you could do. There was literally nothing else to do. I'll tell you, uh, the the target nobody ever thinks about. My wife and I were discussing this because, as you know, she's, she's uh, from Grand Isle. Uh, Port Fouchon down in South Florida. That is probably the single biggest oil port in America. Really? Yes, if you look it up. The security is incredible down there for good reason. Uh, So, yeah, I would think that would be on the target list Hmm. because you could basically cripple the oil import and export ability of the United States. I never thought of you would, that. You would need can- and when you start looking at this and start thinking about it from that angle of picking the targets, it's not the ones that you would think necessarily. It's, it's yeah. not the places you go, well, they're going to hit here, here, and here. Well, maybe, but also don't forget about these other places. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. It, it's an interesting thing. Ask me why I ever got interested in this. Let's go back to the book under the desk. <laughs> Dan in Hattiesburg, my father's company was on the list because they provided fuel pumps to the military. Uh, There's a lot of layers to this when you start digging things into Things you don't think about. Yeah. So just, just interesting stuff. Okay, that, okay. North Dakota has more nukes in the ground than any other state in missile silos. I guess I don't. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, same thing, Ricky in Aberdeen says same thing with South Dakota. Loaded with missile silos. Okay. Now that makes sense. But again, you hear a lot of these things and you go, why? Well, there's always a reason. Because there's nothing else in North or South Dakota besides cows. Yeah. And bored people. Yes. Like 12 of them. What is the population of North Dakota? It can't be much. It's like eight people per square mile, something like that, the last time I looked. Yeah. It's not much. There's no population there. Uh, Yeah, it's a good place for it. The House is in session, by the way. They're taking attendance right now. Oh, they are? Okay. 11 o'clock is when they they came into session, and they're just kind of slowly going through the motion. They're taking attendance to see who's there and who's not, because that is a big determination, a determining factor in how many votes uh, are needed to be elected speaker. <laughs> Politico has the headline, um, Democrats prepare to chain GOP to far-right Jordan in 2024. If hardline Trump ally becomes speaker, it's not like putting a fox in the hen house, one prominent Democrat said. It's like blowing up the hen house. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the subtle take. I love that. That's perfect. Uh, apparently, and I'm looking at NBC News' coverage uh, from the uh, pre-exploded hen house, but, you know, the fuse is lit. Uh, Republicans uh, Nick Lalota, Mike Lawler, both from New York, John Rutherford of Florida, uh, Florida, and Don Bacon of Nebraska, uh, head of the 
quorum call all stood together in the chamber. Yeah. Uh, those four are all expected to not support Jordan, which would mean if that holds true, he could only lose one more. That that would basically squeak him in if those four were the only four. And I know of a couple of other ones that had already gone on the record and said, no, not going to do it. Jordan, though, now has come out and said that he doesn't care how many ballots it takes. That we're electing a speaker today. Well, how many did it take for McCarthy? Fifteen. Fifteen. Well, that's that, that's your goal right there, Jordan. Let's yeah. break the record. Uh, actually, that's not the record. Oh, what's the record? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, the longest vote for speaker occurred in 1856. It took 133 ballots, and the only way they finally picked a speaker was they changed the rules to where you just had to have a plurality of the members vote for you. There you go. Uh, and uh, that elected uh, Nathaniel Prentice Banks, a member of the American Party. Didn't even know there was an American party. In 1856. Trump has come out in support of Jim Jordan. He says, quote, I think Jim will be Speaker of the House. He's a fantastic young man. Young man? Young man. (laughs) Trump's like, what, 78 or so? Yeah. Now, so yeah, I guess Jordan is a young man at 60 or whatever. Uh, I think he's in his 50s, but it's like the last half of the 50s. <laughs> but yes, that's part of our problem. When you've got somebody in their mid to upper 50s being referred to by your political leaders as a fine young man. <sighs> yeah, that's. Don't get me going down that road. He's 59. 59. So I knew he was in the last half. I knew he was kind of getting up there. 50s wise. It's not getting up there, but you know what I mean. Uh, Carlos Jimenez of Florida, Republican, uh, he was on Meet the Press Now yesterday, and when they were asking him how he was going to vote, he said, I'm going to vote for McCarthy. A lot of the holdouts are voting for McCarthy. Uh, And he says it's because we cannot let a minority of the majority rule. We have to fight against that. And then they said, well, what if we never reach the point where Jim Jordan can get a majority of the vote? And Jimenez's response was, it's not Jim Jordan or bust. We have 221 Republicans in the House. We have a lot of candidates we could choose from. It's not this guy or nothing. What is it, five people have said that they may stand? Yeah. It's uh, between 5 and 10, the last count we had, but there have been several of them that have been very vocal and come right out and say, I'm not voting for McCarthy. Some of them have said, I'm not voting for McCarthy on the first ballot. I'll take it one at a time. Which, yeah. which basically means, well, let's just wait and see. I'm, I might change my mind later on. <sighs> They, it, the weather is finally turning cool. That's a heck of a time to break out your flip-flop. <laughs> but that's what we're doing. So we'll keep you updated on that as as the continuing story unfolds of uh, the most dysfunctional house in a 100 years. 
That's crazy. That's not even hyperbole. That's a historical fact. 1923, the last time it took more than one ballot to elect a speaker, and it might take more than one ballot to elect two speakers in the same year. So it's worse than last time. Good job. We'll continue on Super Talk Mississippi Live in the Element Well Studios next. You knocked me dead on my feet. How, 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 how. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Fleetwood Mag Day here on Middays, live in the Element Well Studios. And frankly, I'm okay with that. Much worse choices. Meatloaf, for example. (laughs) I don't mean to pick on the loaf. Yeah, I do, actually. Now that I think about it, never mind. (sighs) That was the worst disclaimer in history, wasn't it? But I tried. Um... Jim Jordan is now seated in the House. They're still doing the attendance vote. They've got four Republicans and two Democrats who haven't voted present yet. So I put it on C-SPAN on my little computer over here for a minute. And uh, let me tell you, riveting, riveting (laughs) stuff. It is literally just a camera (laughs) on the House floor. And all you can hear is people talking in the background, but you can't understand anything. And they got the, the call of the House vote up on there. And that's it. That's what it's been for the last 30 minutes or so. Look, you come to a realization, if you've ever watched any C-SPAN, which I am just boring enough of a person that I have many times, uh, until you watch C-SPAN for a period of time, not just drop in and say, oh, nothing's going on. Well, I got news for you, Sparky. That's most of the time because you would be amazed how much time is spent in the House and the Senate with absolutely nothing official going on. I just nothing. Now, there, there's still stuff happening because the members are talking, and that this is one of the times where, you know, deals are made and worked out and, you know, opinions are shared and there, there's lobbying and everything else going on amongst the members. Uh, but from an outside view, no, it, it, it's less than 10 percent of the time they're in session where there's actually action. Yeah. Most of the time. Uh, you, because I don't know what the time limit was for the attendance vote. It's usually, I think, like 20 minutes, 15 minutes. And they have not one C-SPAN channel. Yes. Not two, but three C-SPANs. They're up to C-SPAN 3 right now and a, ra- a full-time radio network uh, plus apps. And they have a serious XM channel as well. If you would like to. <laughs> the amount of content they have. They, would, going on. they are the television version of elevator music. <laughs> they're, they're filling time. 
Speaking of which, if you want to stop for just a moment and have some sympathy for someone who has a rougher job than you do, C-SPAN radio guys. They don't even have the picture of the graphic with the empty podium behind it that they can lean on and just leave up. No, they have to talk continuously about the nothing that's happening. So, yeah, it, it, if you ever really want to see the inner workings, uh, just a glimpse of how government works in America, go put on C-SPAN and watch it for an hour, one hour straight. Come back and report your results. You will be dumbfounded. It's pretty tough. There's no moderators. If you've ever watched it, you know this. There's no moderators and no talking heads on there. They don't have any of that. It is this is what's happening. Here, here you go. They might have one guy come in and you know whisper, "We're going to go down live to the house floor," and that's it. Golf announcer voice. Yes, that's it. And the thing uh, that that you don't realize until you've watched some C-SPAN is uh, in the house they turn the mics on to talk and then turn them right back off. You don't even have the background of people talking in the chat. No, it's just dead, dead air, dead silence. But oh, we got some action. Uh-oh. Hang on, let me turn it on. Let's see what's going on here. Did an arm wrestle? Business is the election of speakers of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress. Nominations are now in order. The chair now recognizes the gentlewoman from New York, Ms. Stefanik. Mr. Speaker Pro Temp, Madam Clerk, colleagues, on behalf of the House Republican Conference, I rise today to nominate the gentleman from Ohio, Jim Jordan, as Speaker of the People's House. People not standing. Not surprising. I think that one guy's wearing blue jeans. We are at a time of great crisis (laughs) across America. A time of historic challenges in this very chamber. And a time when heinous acts of terror and evil have been committed against our great ally, Israel. As this body convenes for the sacred responsibility to elect the next speaker of the people's house, I am reminded of the book of Esther. For such a time is this. Jim Jordan will be America's speaker for such a time as this. A time when hardworking American families right, wanna, are struggling to, under uh, the vice of inflation. Yeah, because yeah. uh, going to go she's for a minute. Yeah, she just... Uh, turned over her book uh and so i think she's going to be reading for a little while yeah she's, so she's i'll keep it going if something else happens there on c-span i'll let you know yeah she's uh well she and she very sharply dressed she's not wearing blue jeans she's, beautiful she's standing outfit. out because everybody else is kind of drab yeah you know, we got the olive drab coat back there the normal tie that he got it's got a mustard stain on it back there yeah, she kind of stands out. The, the, and I can't even see who that is. I can't tell. But the one on the right in the picture that I'm looking at, as Stefanik is speaking and, and speaking and <clears throat> speaking, uh, the one on the right in the background in the olive drab coat, I, the, I'm sorry, the look that I get from that is uh, a private investigator who's just tired of all this mess and is just a couple of weeks from retirement. Is that what? <laughs> am I wrong there? Yeah, that's kind of what you get. That's the image I get. Uh, don't make me play the bad cop, kid. <laughs> I can do it, but I'm tired. 
That's what it looks like. So, yeah, Stefanik, it was already set up. It was planned. She was going to be nominating Jim Jordan. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody else nominates someone. I, I believe they're going to go to a vote on this nomination first. So they'll go to a vote on this nomination, and then that will be our first one. That'll be our first ballot. And that one will probably fail. Yeah, it's going to be surprising if it doesn't at this point because I don't know how the attendance vote turned out. Uh, so there were four Republicans, no vote, three Democrats, no vote. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there were three total that uh, did not vote present. Uh, one uh, that we told you about earlier. That uh, mother-in-law's funeral. Bill Arrakis uh, is Alvaro's mother-in-law's funeral and then two seats empty. Okay. So he needs 217 votes to be elected speaker. Okay. If everyone, and now here, here's the nuance, if everyone that's present votes, there could be some protest votes where they just vote present, which would basically and functionally count as a no vote, because it, it's 217. That's the number he has to have that says yes or says I. If he has 216 that say I and one that says present, he loses. So functionally, a, a present vote is the same as a no vote. Uh, you want to see what um, Stephanie has to say about this? Let's In this very her. chamber. When Prime Minister Netanyahu delivered his historic joint address, which some of our colleagues across the aisle shamefully boycotted, Oh. Bibi pointed out that in this very chamber, we serve under the watchful gaze of Moses. He said, quote, overlooking all of us in this chamber is the image of Moses. And before the people of Israel entered the land of Israel, Moses gave us a message that has steeled our resolve for thousands of years. Be strong and resolute, neither fear nor dread them. He went on to say, my friends, may Israel and America always stand together strong and resolute. May we neither fear nor dread the challenges ahead. May we face the future with confidence, strength, and hope. Okay. End quote. Wrapping up. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if maybe there would be some jeers from the other side. Yeah, well, they're, ha said that. they're having some problems on the Democratic side because they've got kind of a split of their own going on the subject of Israel. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's their own version of what they keep referring to as the Republican Civil War. Right now, the Democratic Civil War is on the Democratic side. Uh, Representative Aguilar just nominated uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, as the Democratic nominee for Speaker of the House. And again, this is something I've said before. This is as much to me about the image being presented, because the Democrats, for better or worse, they are going to march in lockstep. They are going to, every last one of them, vote for Jeffries. They know they're not going to win, but they're still going to play until the final horn sounds Yeah, to start bringing sports analogies into this. Which team usually has a better chance of winning any contest? The ones that move in unison and operate as a team or the ones that sit around squabbling on the sidelines? Now, the Democrats, a lot more clapping going on for Jeffries. Yeah. They were, you know, when, the, when Stephanie got up there, there were a couple of Republicans kind of sitting around going, do I stand up? Do I not? Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. Well, what's the big deal? One side's pretty unified. The other's not. And that's that's a problem. 
that's we got to meet them, you know, where they're at to fight the fight. And we're not doing a good job of that at all right now. We'll continue checking in on this until we get the final total where Jordan loses the first ballot. I'm, I'm just predicting here, but I think it's a pretty safe prediction. We'll continue in the Element Well Studios live on middays right after this. You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live. On Super Talk Mississippi. to just let this play. Come on, you have to like this song. One of the best. You have to. It's it's uh, approaching, by the way, one billion views on YouTube on the official video for that song. For Toto's version of it? For Toto's version of Africa. It's, a, it's 920-something million times it's been watched. It's one of the best. I mean, the song is great. The video? They're going to be in Mississippi with... Journey. I'm. I can't remember when that concert is. February, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's February. Yeah, I think so. I think it's February. Uh, And yeah, if 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 you have the chance, go. Mm -hmm. Come on. Do you remember Spinal Tap? Spinal Tap. Yeah. Remember how they were talking about their drummers in there? How they had one of them die from a bizarre gardening accident? Yes. Toto had that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, he like. It's not funny, but uh, it kind of is. He had like some sort of reaction to a chemical that he was putting out in his garden and died. <laughs> you can't make this stuff no, up. I'm dead serious. You can try, and then it really happens. Dead serious. Got to love Fox, by the way. The uh, speaker votes going on. Uh, Aguilar w- was speaking nonstop, so they immediately uh, basically cut away, and they're showing the people going in and out of the courtroom for the Trump trial. Uh. Mine says that, that Aguilar has stopped, and now McHenry is, uh, I don't know what he's doing. Neither does McHenry. <laughs> he was dumped into this with no warning. He's feeling his way through this just like everybody else is at I this guess point. they're, are they doing the vote? They might be in the vote. Are working to us, see. Which means there will be a several-minute period where they will just, How uh, long does it take them to vote? Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly how long that they have. They have a certain amount of time where they can cast their vote. I guess it's just like some device on their yeah. desk that yeah, they, they have, punch a button. They have little buttons. These are the things I find fascinating, not you know the policies of whoever's being elected. But yeah, the mechanics yeah, of it and the way it works. Yeah. It's actually going to work. Yeah, it, it really is fascinating to, why, to get into the parliamentary procedure and the, the mechanics of it, if you will, uh, because there's a lot of stuff that they do – 
because that's the way it's always been done. Yeah. Basically, not necessarily sure that's the right way to go about things. There's a lot of weird little things that go on if you watch it long enough. Like, do you know they have a mace in there, this big stick, that if you're if you're unruly, the head of security is supposed to present this stick and say, I'll hit you over the head with it if you don't stop. I'm going to wallop you one. And the last time that happened was in, like, 1994 when um, I can't remember the name of the – she's Maxine Waters. It was Maxine Waters. She was – she wouldn't shut up about something, and whoever I guess whoever was on the floor, Speaker of the House, or whoever it was, said, go present the mace in front of her, and they took that stick out there, and they said, you know, they showed it to her, and I don't know whether she stopped talking or not. It's a very unsubtle way to say, shut up. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. There's all sorts of stuff like that. Personally, for my money, we had our two nominees, best two out of three arm wrestle, right there in front of everybody. We settled this. We move on. <sighs> Well, let's see. I don't know. I guess they're voting now on Jim Jordan. I don't know exactly how this works, but I guess it's going to take a little while for them to everybody to vote. But everybody's in their seats. They're not mulling around just yet. Yeah. But I think eventually they'll start mulling around, and then they'll tally the votes. and which, we'll go. which it may be. I don't know. It, it may be that they're doing a roll call vote where they call each name, and each person has to... Give their I or nay. That it was talked about. That's what they were going to do. Oh if so, you got to go through four hundred and thirty-two people, because uh. I I believe that's the number that uh, wound up being present. Yeah, four hundred thirty-two members of the house are present for this. So yeah, mm. it could take a minute if that's the way they're doing it. C-SPAN's probably no help unless somebody's talking. <laughs> Looks like a lot of people in dress clothes sitting around. Yes. That's all it looks like right now. Uh, yeah, well, and there we go. Uh, on the C Spire text line, Trent Kelly said on Gallo, and he did, said it was a roll call vote. I had heard that. Said it would take a little over an hour to vote. So they just go through literally person by person and start, I guess, alphabetically? I don't know. They, they call do. one name at a time. How do you vote? Yay and or nay. they say yay or nay. And it's recorded by the the clerk, and then it's tallied, and that way everybody is on the uh, on the record. Apparently, the House Speaker vote tally so far two for Jordan, two for Jeffries. I'm going to go grab a quick nap. Hour three of middays on the way next. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios. Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes here. Will over in the booth. 
Uh, during the news, current vote total, uh, Jordan has 41, Jeffries has 44, McCarthy has two. Yeah, uh, I saw where Bacon of Nebraska, Bacon, Nebraska sounds very delicious right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Representative Don Bacon voted for ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He was the first one. I haven't seen who the second one is yet. I haven't either, but I have seen that one of the uh, ones that's absent, uh, Ken Buck, uh, who was very vocal in opposing Jordan's speakership bid, so he just didn't show up. Hmm. So that takes away one of the ones that would have voted against him. So that kind of makes you think this is going to come down to the wire. Do you guys want to hear what it sounds like? Do you want to hear the screeching on the walls? <laughs> Representative Lori Chavez DeRimmer of Oregon also voted for McCarthy. Is she a Republican? Yes. I don't even know Oregon had any re- I guess outside of Portland, I guess. I yeah, yeah. Once you get outside of Portland, it's, yeah. it's two different states, really. It's Portland and then the same ones. So here's what it sounds like if... Uh, if you want to sound... This is riveting. You, you, want, to hear, you. you want to hear torture. Here we go. Yeah. Deloro. Jeffries. Delbene. Jeffries. Deluzio. Jeffries. Desanye. Jeffries. Desjardins. That's it. Jordan. D'Esposito. Zelton. Zelton. Oh. Uh. <laughs> On my screen, they put other. <laughs> yes. Yes, other. Even they don't know who they're, who they're they don't talking know how to about. Spell it. They're like, Zeno, what, what do they say? <laughs> uh, the count, by the way, right before we went on, one person voted for Scalise. So we're at three people that haven't voted for Jordan. If that number hits five, he fails. And we're just at 100 votes. Yes. So only two more people have to not vote Jordan on the Republican side for him to not get elected. Wow. Now, the really horrible, just just pulling your fingernails out with pliers part of this, if in the next 30 seconds we have two more people vote for Scalise or McCarthy, they then have to go through all the rest of the names knowing (laughs) that it's doing nothing. We have to follow. We have to ride this horse all the way through the rodeo. So that part can't gonna like stink. call time out and throw a flag and just say, "Well, you know, this is all for naught." Well, never mind, and then go try again. No, you got to go through the whole stinking process. Because, like you said, we're at uh, what is that? A hundred and somebody else just voted for other. Oh yeah, on the Democratic side. So I've side. got other. I've got they're they're updating it in real time on mine. So he had other three. They just deleted that. Zeldin has one. Scalise has one, and Garcia has one. McCarthy has two. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're at right now. And for the Democrats, it honestly it doesn't matter unless one of them votes for a Republican candidate, which is not going to happen, by the way. Uh, so what we really have to watch is those those totals by Scalise and McCarthy, or if they have to put another category up there because somebody named something on the Republican side that no one was expecting. Oh, well, my gosh. He, he can lose four of the Republican votes and still get elected. He's already lost three, and we're about 125, 130 votes into the 432 that will be cast. 
So the odds are not looking good that this is going to get a quick resolution. So is the reason why they do a roll call vote like this, is that just so that it's so excruciatingly painful to sit there through all this that people just eventually say, I'm tired, I, I give up, I'll vote for whoever just to get out of here? That can be a little bit of the gamemanship, yes. The, the stated purpose for this roll call vote was to make everyone go on the record publicly of who they were voting for, uh, which is a fancy way of saying, we're going to blame you if this doesn't work out. And everybody's going to know what you did. That's basically it. Uh, but yes, if if you drag this out, eventually some people go, eh. Yeah, and they have, just watching, it's fascinating to watch this. They have like four people that are sitting down there penciling in. With each enormous person, sheets of paper. With these enormous sheets of paper penciling in who answers yes. what. So basically what I'm what what you're saying is and it's exactly the truth uh to elect a speaker the house is using paper ballots. Fascinating. Yeah, but it, it, this is almost a poster size piece of paper but it's got the name of every representative printed on it and they're just going down the list and marking how they vote by each one all four of them and then they'll compare the four to get the official tally. Because they don't have television, I guess. We're getting the official tally. And no, Zeldin just got another one. Oh. He's now at two. We have a dark horse candidate, third one for McCarthy. That's four. If anybody else on the Republican side votes for anyone other than Jordan, he fails. We are already at the threshold. He could lose four and still get elected. There's three votes for McCarthy, one for Scalise. And we're at 140-something votes. Out of 432. <laughs> so, yeah. I, be back. I think my prediction earlier is going to hold up. We ain't get up. Oh, there it is. Another one for Scalise. It's over. Uh, McCarthy just got another one, too. Two for Scalise. Three for McCarthy is what I'm seeing. That's five. Jordan fails on the first ballot. All right. It's just that simple. The, now, this is what I was talking about. We got 300 more votes they got to go through and take in this excruciating process that don't matter because it's settled now. It's decided. This is going to be a long day. You know, Jordan said this morning, he told the press, oh, we're going to elect a new speaker today. And I'm like, boy, that's, that's some bold words there, big boy. Not sure we're going to get there. Oh, another one for Scalise. We're now up to six. Yeah. That did not vote for Jordan. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the final total is that voted for someone other than Jordan. And you know Lee Zeldin didn't vote for himself because his name begins with Z and he goes very last. Yeah, he's all the way at the end. <laughs> It would be hilarious if he just voted for somebody else nobody knew was in the running. Yes. But on the bright side, it's half as much, but on the bright side, uh, we are seeing some evidence that maybe the Democrats aren't quite as united as we think. Because everybody was expecting a, a lockstep vote for Jeffries. Mm. Yeah, we got three people so far that have 
Well, two of them have voted for Zeldin. Everyone right now in newsrooms around the country are desperately Googling Zeldin. That's what I'm doing right now. See? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Who is this? Where did this come from? Because oh, he's the new he, uh, he's the new guy from uh, New York. Okay, yeah. okay, that explains it. That explains it. We'll keep an eye on it because now I'm just curious because that might tell somewhat well, of a tale. New. He's been there. Sorry, I'm wrong. Somewhat of a tale for how this is going to progress, depending on what the non-Jordan vote total winds up being. Well, that's your that's your insight into American politics for the day. Yeah. Very fun. Well, we got that riveting audio that you popped up, so you know, we're done. <laughs> we can we can just uh we can just cruise at this <laughs> Dan and Hattiesburg. Maybe some Democrats will vote for Jordan. Yeah. Uh Representative Jerry Connolly, a uh, Democrat from Virginia, said no insurrectionists. I vote for Hakeem Jeffries when he cast his vote. Yeah. I wondered if there's going to be some grandstanding. Oh, there he is. There he is. We had uh, Steve Cohen from Tennessee, Democrat, posted on X slash Twitter slash insert your favorite name for it this week here, uh, and then took it right back down. After I guess he posted it and somebody said, hey, dummy, don't do that. His post said, quote, I can't believe this is happening after January 6th. If Trump can get to another electoral college, House Speaker will be able to subvert votes of the people. This is the first act in Insurrection 2.0. Leaning into it kind of heavy there, Stevie boy. Maybe not the right time. They're on the H's, by the way. Oh. you're just wins, so. Moving right along. Yeah. Before you know it, they, they will come to the same conclusion we reached five minutes ago. The efficiencies of government in action, my friend. Hey, hey, if the class isn't good, I'll have Will put the audio back on. We, we will do that. We continue live in the... Uh, I'm threatening you with due process in Congress. Element Well Studios, we continue on Middays next. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi in the Element Wealth Studios middays. We're now up to four each for Scalise and McCarthy, so that's eight. Trick Kelly just voted. He voted for Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan just voted for Jim Jordan. Hakeem Jeffries voted for Hakeem Jeffries. Those last two are not surprising. And actually, Trent had told Paul this morning he was voting for Jordan. Yeah. Uh, basically, trying to get this done where we can get oh another one for McCarthy, five for McCarthy now, four for uh, Scalise, 108 for Jordan so far out of the Republican side of things. You know, they got a chance of Jordan not even hitting 200 votes at this rate. Hmm. 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be in the low 200s, but got a chance for it. Uh, completely different subject. We'll check back in on this. I'm going to keep an eye on this because, again, it, I'm curious now to see. We're up to nine non-Jordan votes on the Republican side. So we'll see. The uh, retail sales report is out. Riddle me this, Will Man. Everybody is talking about how horrible the economy is and how broke everyone is and how nobody can afford every anything. How did retail sales go up 0.7% in September over August? People keep spending money. Yeah. Where are they getting it from? I thought nobody wants to work anymore, so how do they have money to spend? Credit cards. Yeah. That's your answer. Credit card debt is through the roof right now. I think you're right. And that's what's happening is that everybody is saying how expensive everything is. But I'll take one more in the basket. Yeah, just just load that in the back of the car, all this horribly expensive stuff. Yeah. At what point do we reach a breaking point, and is it going to be before or after Christmas? I mean, after is a lock, I think. January is going to be absolutely horrific, retail sales-wise. You know, I, I, I don't know. There's people that are paid a lot of money to figure these things out. Yeah. But I think that's the answer is people just keep spending money, and that's why that's why the economy is not – you know, everybody's been talking about recession, 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 and it just has not hit. It's been very stagnant, uh, you know, up a little bit, down a little bit, up a little bit, down a little bit. Um, in fact, with all this stuff going on in the Middle East, S&P 500 and stuff of – Today it's up. It's up. I mean, they're slightly, but it is up. Um, you got strikes going on, but the stock market is not really taking a, a huge hit. It's just been kind of up and down, up and down a little bit here and there. But uh, eventually, chickens are going to come home to roost. Well, and I, I think you brought up an absolutely excellent expert level opinion there uh, with the comment on credit card usage. That is the huge difference between now. And the 1920s and 1930s when we hit a depression. If credit cards didn't exist right now, would we be in a depression or a recession? Uh, I would guess so. Probably so. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can do is guess, obviously. But that is, that, that's a big change to the financial game for average Americans. They have the ability to spend when they don't have the money. Yeah. But like you said, we're going to reach a breaking point sooner or later. But the the data that's in, uh, the official uh, breakdown of this, uh, the category, that the CPI that excludes car sales and gas sales and building materials, went up 0.6%. Uh Spending at restaurants went up 0.9 percent. From uh, that's from month, comparing August to September. This isn't comparing last year to this year. From August to September, it went up 0.9 percent. Uh, online spending went up 1.1 percent from month to month, and general merchandise store sales went up 0.4 percent. Yeah, everybody's saying how much, you know. How much more everything is costing, but they're continuing to go out there and spend the same amount of money, if not more. And I, I think it's credit card debt. I mean, it's, I think it hit a trillion dollars. I read yeah. earlier this week, 
a trillion dollars just in credit card debt. Yeah. Interest rates are at all time highs for credit card holders. Uh, Josh Hawley, uh, the senator from Missouri, introduced a bill to try to cap it at 18 percent. I don't know if that's probably not going to go anywhere. No. But um, some some credit cards are charging 21 percent, some as high as 30 percent. Yeah. And people are paying it. Yes. Because discretion has gone out the window. Uh I think you were right when you said the sooner or later the chickens are going to come home to roost. Going to do something I haven't done in quite a while. I keep threatening to get these actually printed and hand them out as little happies. Uh, but if you have made your own, it's been a while since I've had you pull it out. Get out your Uncle Dave told me so notebook. <laughs> Turn to a fresh page. Write the date at the top so that we know. You can put the time to if you'd like. Sometime in the next 12 months, uh, those chickens will come home to roost, and it's going to look catastrophic. Yeah. Because sooner or later, the credit cards are maxed out. Everyone has, as prices has gone, uh, have gone up, as inflation has increased, as the economy has worsened, no one has adjusted their spending habits at all. Not one bit. And that's why inflation, that's why it's so bad is yeah. because people are paying it. Yes. When people stop paying it, that's when prices will reduce, supply and demand. It's very simple, but people have not stopped. But the problem that's going to lead to is when they do stop, and at this point they're going to stop because they're going to be forced to stop because their credit cards are maxed out and they've got no cash. Mm-hmm. What's that going to do to the workforce when spending craters because everybody has maxed out their credit cards and they have no cash, well, all of a sudden people get laid off. What happens then? Fewer people have money to spend, which continues the, the, the giant ball of dung as it continues to roll yeah. down the hill gathering mass. That's what I fear moving forward. We, we can talk about all the esoteric policy that you want. I'm talking about real-world cause and effect. And it's pretty simple to see, and I think you're dead on it, that credit cards are a big part of this. Mm-hmm. That's where it leads to unless everybody suddenly wakes up tomorrow and gets a little sense. The average credit card balance right now is almost $6,000. At 18% interest, cardholders with an average balance who make only the minimum monthly payment would be in debt for 200-plus months and make $7,500 in total interest payments. And that doesn't include payments towards the principal. Yeah, that's just interest. Wow. <sighs> that, that's, I'm telling you, it, it's going to burn us. It, it's coming. $6,000 just in credit card debt. That's crazy. It's going to happen. And it's not going to be pretty when it does. And we're going to have everybody rush forward and try to explain why this is based on monetary policy and this and that and the other thing. No, it's based on people being stupid. Mm. That, that, that is a law of nature. People, usually as a group, not as individuals, this isn't attacking even a subset of the general population, but as a general group, people are dumb. <laughs> Have you ever heard, I've said it before, the, the rule on the IQ of a mob 
You find the IQ of the most intelligent member of the mob and divide it by the number of mobsters. That's the (laughs) IQ of a mob. Any big group of people. So everybody is caught up in Me Tooism and keeping up with the Joneses. Meanwhile, we have the Indiana Jones generation down at Gen Z who keep discovering fantastic artifacts. The big movement right now is they've discovered something called quiet walking. That's where you go for a walk without your cell phone. It's so freeing. I mean, they're making a huge deal about this. They discovered going for a walk. So we we have some real problems that are just kind of all mingled together and meshed together that are leading us to a bad place if we're not very, very careful. And I'm not sure we have the capacity to be very, very careful. We're seeing that with what's going on in the House right now. We would rather burn it down than try to work out how to make it work. Literally. And again, it's just a few people here and there. Yep. That's exactly right. Richard from Columbus talking about the house. It sounds like we the people need to put a belt on the children's behinds. And then said, it's ridiculous we have to put up with this. I agree. I agree. But here we are. We have a majority. So... What good's that doing us? You can have the biggest gun on the planet if you don't have any ammunition. Well, it's a great paperweight. Baseball bat's better to swing. We'll keep you up to date. I'll, I'll try to keep a track on the vote, even though I'm just disgusted at this point. We interrupt this program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Okay, now you're doing it on purpose. Caught you. Fleetwood Magday and the Element Wealth Studios on Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes here. Current total, by the way, uh, six votes, uh, six Republican votes for Scalise, five for McCarthy. So we're up to 11. Yeah, I don't think he might not hit 200. That's why he's at one eighty eight. Yeah, he there is a chance he couldn't even he might not even hit two hundred, which means there's a lot of work left to do. Now the question is, how long until they try it again? How long how long of a time do you spend working trying to flip some of those votes and going around to those particular people? That's the other purpose for a roll call vote. You know exactly who to go talk to. Yeah. To try to bring them around to your way of thinking. Uh, right now, he's got to take seven of them and change their minds. If it stands at the same totals when we get to the end of this. So we know there's at least seven that he's going to have to go talk to and work on and try to figure out how to get them to change their vote and vote for him. For him to win. But... 
the the third time in the past hundred years we've had to go more than one ballot to elect a House Speaker, and the second time this year. <laughs> Two out of the three out of the last hundred years have been in the last ten months. All right, let's see where they are on the vote. Well, i got to turn the volume up now. Probably. Oh, yeah. Williams of Texas. Oh, Williams. Jordan. Jordan. Now, you might get 200. Wilson of Florida. Jeffries. Wilson of South Carolina. Jordan. That's the Ula guy. Oh, yeah. That's the Ula guy. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Jordan's going to hit 200. He's at 199 now, but we're up to seven votes for Scalise and five for McCarthy. How bad is it McCarthy's coming in third and he wasn't even running? It's kind of where we're at. Did he vote for himself? I don't know. I haven't seen. No, I I think he had said he was going to vote for Jordan. He's also been quite vocal that I'm done with this. I don't want this again. Don't put me up for this. I'm not interested. (sighs) We'll see. Well, right now, uh, Jeffries has 211. Which means, by the way, it's not going to happen. He's only six votes away from winning. 217 wins the speakership with the people that are present. Jeffries is at 211. He's not going to get there. Let me say that. There are not enough Democrats that would put him there, and four of the ones they have in their minority have already voted for somebody else. So he's not going to get there. But this is how tight this is. This is how much of a razor's edge everybody is dancing on. Jeffries has 211. 217 wins it. He came within six votes of winning the speakership in a Republican-majority House. Very interesting. Mose. <laughs> Mose says, Dave, at least we're not witnessing history again today. It ain't midnight yet, buddy. <sighs> we got a few hours left. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, look, any, oh, now 212 for Jeffries. He is five votes away from winning the speakership. Again, not going to make it. We're getting down to the end. That's about all he's going to have. Maybe one more, maybe two more, but that's it. Let's see where we are. Buck. Emmer. Emmer. Is that it? We done? Jeffries. Jeffries. James. Cole. Cole. Cole? Oh, we're reaching now. Emmer got one. Cole. I love the buzz that goes through the membership of the House. Of Ohio. Jordan. Lamalfa. McCarthy. Yeah. So I guess they're going through getting all the ones who missed the first 
Yeah. They were in the bathroom. <laughs> they were in the bathroom. They were outside giving an interview because there are quotes appearing everywhere as the vote is happening. Uh, current total that I see is seven for Scalise, six for McCarthy. Yeah. But, again, we are at the position right now as they're doing the mop-up at the end of the vote. Uh, Jeffries has more votes than Jordan. 212 for Jeffries, 200 for Jordan. In a Republican majority House, the leading vote getter is Jeffries. If they did what they had to do back in 1856 after 133 ballots and changed the rules to just allow a plurality, it wouldn't have to be a majority of all members present. It would just be the one with the highest total gets it. Jeffries would be the speaker. Wow. By 12 votes. Unbelievable. So this is the problem. This is going to continue to be the problem. We have uh, we have a lot of people. Well, I'm just going to come out there and say it. We have a lot of people that are too childish to be deciding how to run the country. We had three Toms get get votes. Three Toms. Tom Emmer, Tom Cole, and Tom Massey. The Tom uprising has begun. <laughs> Three Toms got votes. Thomas and Greenwood, you could have got somebody to write your name in. Man, we could have four. You're slacking on us here. So, yeah, they're, they're going through and they're reading the results. It was 200 for Jordan, 7 for Scalise, 6 for McCarthy. On the Democratic side, 212 for Jeffries. And seven Democrats voted for others. Do you realize if the Democrats had voted in unison, they would have won? Because that's 219. 217 would have won it. So they just missed by those seven Democratic members of the House of Representatives. They missed, well, five of those seven. Could have changed and voted for Jeffries. And he would have won, which means if you are not rock solid certain on the Republican side that you're going to get enough of those Scalise and McCarthy votes to flop over to Jordan, you better not call another four vote because I guarantee you the Democrats are talking to those seven right now going, "Okay, you got your protest vote in. You do realize if you had voted for Jeffries, he could be the speaker right now. We have got to pull together on this. So there's about to be some horse trading going on on the floor of the House of Representatives. They're talking to each other right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mose, yep, I kind of tend to agree with you, or at least just with one or two exceptions. Mose says you can bet your bottom dollar the Democrats will vote in unison on the next vote. Yeah. So, this is how close we are. This is an aspect nobody really thought about and nobody really considered, but there is a possibility that in a Republican majority House, the Democratic nominee, the House Minority Leader, could be elected Speaker, unless they are very careful about how they do this. That is wild. No, Will, it's stupid. (laughs) It is completely stupid. How is this serving the goals that we have 
with the slim House majority that we hold. How is this accomplishing anything for the voters of America in terms of advancing the Republican agenda, the things we want to do, the things we want to fix, the things we want to change and make better? How is this helping any of that? Spoiler, it's not. And I'm sorry, that's that's just a cold, hard fact. This is helping nothing. That's crazy. And until we get past this, until we can start acting like grown-ups, I have always considered the Republican Party as the grown-ups in the room. Right? It's kind of the way you look at it. You got the Democrats running around going, la, 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 and then the Republicans... We view ourselves as the ones with a little sense. Mm. How's that self-image holding up today? And for the last two weeks. we got to work this out. we got to fix this. And this is an internal problem. And the first person that runs forward and says, well, none of the Democrats voted for Jordan. It's their fault. Somebody, somebody get that mace that Will was mentioning earlier. We might need it. Final break. I'll spend a couple of minutes trying to lower my blood pressure, and then we'll wrap it up in the Element Wealth Studios on Middays, Super Talk, Mississippi. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk, Mississippi. Music's intentional. I like it. I was just thinking, boy, you you right on the pulse. That's where your finger is. Somebody said you should play the uh, House is Burning by the uh, Talking Heads. Yes. That would have also been appropriate, but this is perfect. The House is Rocking. Yeah. And eventually it's going to topple over if we keep going down this road. <sighs> 212, top vote getter, Jeffries. 200, second place for Jordan. Kirk from Columbus on the ceasefire text line said the more Democrats and Republicans act the way that they do, the better the libertarians are looking. Kirk, I'd like to introduce you to Thomas. You two go off in the corner and just chat for a while. He'll bring you up to speed. There's no problem. Uh, I want to talk about something else so that I won't have, you know, All right. a blood pressure that has a comma in both numbers, which is kind of where it's been for the last 30 minutes, I'm afraid. So we'll end on some uh, on a much higher note. Well, I say higher note, not quite as low. Well, I say not quite as low, a different note. We'll just go with a different note. Turkey prices are down this year. Really? Yeah. There is apparently an oversupply of turkeys. So, you know, last year we had a big spike in turkey prices. We're only a month away from doing your Thanksgiving shopping, so it's yep. time to start thinking about this. They're saying turkey prices are going to be down about 7 to 10% over what they were last year. That's a, that's a decent drop. It's pretty good. Let's wait and see. Here's why I say that. I don't know if you've heard, bird flu is coming back again. Uh. 
Yeah, a couple of states already have had major outbreaks at commercial poultry farms, uh, some chicken, some turkey. So that could change. But for right now, 7 to 10% drop in turkey prices for this year, which is good news. When's the last time we talked about a drop in price of anything? Been a while. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely take that. I'm no surprised problem. gas prices haven't started going up. I'm happy they're not. Yeah. But I'm surprised they haven't with all the turmoil going on. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, Israel and Gaza, there's not really much of any oil that comes out of there. Yeah. Uh, Pumping is doing pretty good here in America right now. Uh, So, yeah, this is a rare situation where we have severe instability in the Middle East and gas prices are dropping. That's not the way that usually works. And uh, everything I've seen from the experts say they continue it to hold or even drop a little bit more Hmm. in the coming days and weeks. So we'll see if that holds true. And again, that's very dependent on what happens in the Middle East over the next few days. Uh, I don't know. Let's try to be positive. We're going to end on an optimistic note. All right. And assume that the gas prices are going to continue to drop. Do you have a Rolex? I do. Is it spelled R-O-L-E-X on it? <laughs> no. It was a wedding gift. R-O-L-L. My beautiful wife. R-E-C-K-X. Is that the way it's spelled? <laughs> uh, Watchfinder and Company did a research uh, study, found that there are currently 23 million fake luxury watches in America in circulation. 23 million? 23 million fake watches uh, the vast majority of them, Rolex. Yeah, I can see that. So what I'm saying is, I don't know where you find a licensed Rolex authenticator. Just make sure nobody pulled one over on you guys. <laughs> I hope not. Does it? Do you have to wind it? Does it take? I've never had a Rolex. It winds automatically. Okay, so it's one of those automatic, yeah, yeah. kinetic motion. Yeah. I had a watch way back back when I wore. I haven't worn a watch in forever. I, I'm one of those. I have to have one of my because of this job. It's constantly looking at the time, and this is what's supposed to be happening. That is what's supposed to be happening. But yeah, I've always worn one. Yeah, I, well, I I wore one forever, and I haven't worn one in quite a while. Ever ever since smartphones became a thing, because now I just look down at my phone and go, "Oh, I'm late," and then you know I'm fine. That's a safe bet most days, no matter what time you ask me. Uh, but, yeah, so if you've got a Rolex, check it. I don't, I don't know how you check it. I don't know what the process is. Like I said, I assume there's one guy sitting out there with a loop hanging on a chain around his neck waiting to verify your Rolex. If for you it. bought it at a gas station. That's usually a good sign you got tooketh. So, yeah, 23 million fake Rolexes. And finally, did you hear about the big thievery at the Ludlow Autograss Club in the United Kingdom? No. <laughs> Auto racing venue. Uh, somebody stole 35 porta potties. <laughs> worth about $1,000 each. But here's the best part they had just had a race, most of them were full. Somebody, they said it had to be a crew of several people over a couple of nights, stole 35 full porta potties. 
Sometimes your hand gets caught in the till. Sometimes your hand gets caught in, well, something else. Have a good day. Enjoy yourself. Talk again soon, my friends. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.